several people say, church family meeting, uh-oh, and I just want to tell you, nothing bad is going to happen today. I've had a couple of people come up and say, you know, whenever I hear the term family meeting, something bad has happened. Either we're broke, we're out of money, or we're going to fire somebody, or we had a big scandal, and I'm just to tell you, nothing happened, nothing is, nothing bad, it's all good. I want to start today by reintroducing you to our council members. Um, just so you know them, um, <clears throat> we have uh, the little C beside them that says that they're on the core team because you realize, you will recall, we are in the transition with our council, moving from it being a kind of a committee of prayer and advising to actually overseeing ministries, and so we're doing it in degrees as people get voted on the council and then get voted off the council. The ones that are coming on are ones that are taking these kind of team leader managerial roles. And so uh, Michelle is on the council, and that's off of her Facebook page. Jim is on the council, Rosemary, Scott, Robin, George, and Grampy. And those are the ones that are on the council members. So when you have questions and when you have wonderings and you want to process what went on today, they're the ones to go talk to. All right? So here's what we're going to start with. We're going to go kind of in this format. We're going to start off in part one with where are we and where do we want to go? And then there'll be part two and part three to come. Part one, I'm going to talk for a minute about the kids. George is going to talk about community building, Scott will talk about neighbor serve, and then George will come back and talk about worship arts. So that's kind of where we're going. All right, here we go. I'm going to start with the kids. Who is loving our kids? If you don't know these people, you should know these people. This is uh, Chris and Vicki right here, and for the longest time, they've kind of held down the fort with our elementary children all by themselves. And now they have Mary and Tammy who have come along that are helping with the elementary. We have Sarah who has, is overseeing our nursery. And we have Teresa who's on break from the children's ministry, but you will still see her doing children's ministry stuff like she's coordinating the Easter egg hunt and things like that. Then with our high school, we have Chris and we have Julie and we have Miss Dominique. And when you see those people around, please give them a hug and a kiss because those people are loving our children and caring for them. So what I'm going to do is go through each one of the parts of our children's ministry, the nursery, the elementary, and the teens, give you a report of where we are and kind of let you know where we're going. So let's start with the nursery. Um, baby attendance has shot up this year. <laughs> We've got a lot of babies back there. We're caring for kids from 24 families. We have 36 kids on the roster. That's 15 to 20 babies a week if, uh, on average. Um, plus, we've got three pregnant ladies, and one is pregnant with twins. So we're kind of looking at um, a growth boom in the, uh, in the nursery area. So right now, over this last year, we have two stipended uh, teachers. We couldn't find consistent volunteers, so we hired Pam and LaToya to be there with our uh, babies and with our preschool each week. And that has worked out very, very well because they've brought a certain consistency and standards of safety and an elevated plan for teaching our young babies. We're not just doing babysitting anymore. We're teaching age-appropriate understanding of the spiritual life. And as you can imagine from those numbers, we're running out of space. In our long-term plan, by the way, our long-term plan requires us to limit growth because I've come from a megachurch and as many 
wonderful benefits as there are to being part of a megachurch, one of the things that suffers is a sense of community. So we have a master plan that will cap us out as a community at 400, which is a little bit um, unfortunate if you weren't one of those 400 because it's really a cool church. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, when we get to 400, we're going to have to go start another or send someone off to start another something. We, we don't know exactly what we'll do when we get to 400, but we're, we're, we're building four and we're... Pardon? Well, we have about 300 and something on the list. On Sunday mornings, we have around 225 if we're all full. So we're we're somewhere around there. So about a little bit less than half or a little bit less than doubling where we are will be where we end. But even when we get to that number 400, it's a little difficult to do that because you can't actually be at 400 unless you build to 400 plus 10%. So we will be at 400 minus 10% because... If the parking lot's full, people just don't come. That's the way it is. So um, one of the squeak points we realized as we were getting from here to there was to get all of our things to hit at the same time. Adult space, children's space, parking space, and, and money. And so right now, the squeak point is going to be parking and nursery space. And so sure enough, just as we got to these numbers, our nursery started to get really uncomfortable. Now, you will see the little sign out there I kind of borrowed from the stag club across the street that says additional parking is now across the street. Um, And when you find our parking lot is full, you can begin to use that. So we might be able to jump over the parking issue, but we will definitely need to take care of nursery. So this summer, Josh, wave your hand, Josh, is going to coordinate as we get to Memorial Day the ripping out of some walls and the reconfiguring of some flooring and the creating of some wonderful nursery space back there. And we're even going to do that in some degrees because the full-time plan would call for taking out the kitchen and moving that. But that would into what was once called the breakfast prep room and now we have no name for. That will be at some time sink-ish, kitchen-ish, warming kitchen, not a full kitchen. And then they can even have that. But for now, we're going to leave the kitchen where it is and rebuild that. So that will happen this summer. And if you can swing a hammer, you'll be called to uh, help with that. So that's what's going on with our nursery. There are some things that you could do to love our babies. There are three things. This summer, if you can swing a hammer or if you can make a snack or if you can haul debris or if you could just basically be a warm body with hands, you could come and help us get that done. The plan is to try and get it done only disrupting one uh, Sunday morning, but uh, so we're going to try and get that done. We're going to try and get that plan done only disrupting two Sunday mornings. <laughs> Um, The second thing you could do is hold a baby on the regular rotation somewhere between every four and every 12 weeks. Come in and hold a baby or be assistants for uh, LaToya and for Pam back there uh, if you will come and do that. It does two things. Part of it is that we need the help. But part of it is we need people who have eyes and who have a sense of ownership. So particularly parents. We want to encourage parents of young babies to uh, be back there at least once a quarter. Because what that does is it gives you a sense of what goes on in the nursery. Because it is our nursery and we have a sense of ownership. And so for us to be back there, we get a sense of what it is that's happening with our babies. And then the third thing. Teresa organizes uh, some moms that come once a month and clean the rooms and disinfect the toys, and they bring their kids along, and they turn it into kind of a play day for the kids. So if you wanted to uh, participate with that, you will hear opportunities, you will see opportunities. I just saw Teresa, where'd she go? 
Uh, so when you see Teresa, that was the lady standing right here, say, I'd like to bring my kids and help clean toys. So that's what's going on in our nursery. Uh, here's what's going on with our elementary. Our elementary now has quadrupled in the last year. We have uh, about 30 kids attending each week. Uh, Chris and Vicki and Teresa and Mary are working together and loving our kids for the longest time. Chris and Vicki uh, held it together themselves. And now with Tammy and Mary joining the elementary team, they meet each week and they're working on improving our children's ministry. And you're soon going to begin to hear their requests for help, project help and teaching help, specific kinds of things, general help. Also, they're working on helping our children in particular, but our community as a whole to do a good job caring for our special needs children. We've had several special needs kids come of late, and it's been very good for our children to get the idea that we love across boundaries that typically aren't part of our customer or what we're comfortable with. And so that's good for our children, but they're going to help us as a whole community learn how to effectively integrate our special needs kids into the church. But before they ask you for specific help, they want to do a little bit more organizing because they don't want you to get the sense when you come back and help of being thrown in the deep end. So they're having some meetings this week and in the next coming weeks where they're getting ready for you. They're preparing to train volunteers and then to appreciate volunteers. Um, So they haven't said this, but I know this just from our long-term plan that it won't be long before we are going to need to make the 930 lesson a fully developed lesson that includes children's ministry. And that's going to be a real stretch for us because we don't know exactly how it is we will do that. So um, these things are going to be coming before us. And so when you hear that, the requests for help, it will be moving forward in these regards. Another new thing that has happened is that we have a budget for our kids' ministry. For the longest time, they have been functioning with no money. And in the days when we really had no money, the money that we could scrape together, we spent on our kids. We really, that was where it went, and it went first. So now that we're rolling out our brand new budget, they are the first category to get a standing monthly allowance. It's not much. It's only $500 a month, but it's a bonanza for them because they've been holding down the fort with duct tape and chewing gum, and they're holding this thing together. And so I asked them what they needed, and I know knowing that I was going to get to talk about the kids part, and they said, well, again, we're reluctant to ask just yet, but we will be asking. But they said, but this is what we would like you to say. They said, the message that has been so meaningful for us on our own spiritual journeys has been the message now we want to give to our children, and they are passionate about giving it to our children, and it is this message, God is good, and we are safe. God is good, and we are safe. And so when they are ready to ask for help, they're going to ask you to participate in the hundred different ways that we can communicate and convey that concept deeply into our children's hearts. God is good, and you are safe. And so they live, our children do, in a culture that is giving them consistent messages to the contrary, again and again and again and again, telling them everything but that. And so for us to take up the standard and say, for our children, they will walk away from their experience here knowing God is good, and you are safe. So that's the elementary. For our teenagers, 
In his last year, Nathan had to go out and get a real job. The uh, 10 hours a week that we were uh, paying him for working with our teens wasn't enough to support his family. I just can't understand that. (laughs) We see him from time to time. He came to the talent show last Friday night, but uh, he's out trying to get a real job to support his family. And he did some wonderful things before uh, um, he had to to make that move. He helped our group become very open and welcoming. Lots of great discussion. Freedom has been established. Kids are quite frank and vulnerable and supportive with one another. So he put a system in place for fun, for regular events. And with him, Dominic has been working with our middle schoolers, and Chris and Julie have been working with our high schoolers. So when he left, Chris took over as the teen ministry coordinator and has taken that role on. And the three of them are doing a great job with our teens. And I need to give you a little bit of history and life cycle perspective to understand what's going on with our teen ministry. When I came here to plant NRCC, the, most of the people who came were in their 30s, early 30s to early 40s. And this meant that we had a lot of upper elementary age kids and we had a lot of teenagers during those years. And now those kids are off to college. And now those kids are off to New York or to Santiago or to Tokyo, and we're following them by blog these days. But since then, we've had an influx of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, and as a result, we have lots and lots of babies, and we have lots and lots of elementary-age kids. And right now, our teen ministry is very small. And so compounding this, we had Aaliyah here during the early 2000s until we hit the financial crisis of 2008 and in 2009 we had to lay Aaliyah off and since that time I think it was January of 2009 we haven't had the kind of consistency that we would have wanted with our teenagers and so the ministry has over these years lost some momentum and it was a real disappointment to us that Nathan couldn't stay long term because we were wanting to get consistency established for our kids and so Um, Chris and Julie and Dominique have been working hard to establish longevity, consistency, and quality with our teenagers, and they're doing a really good job. If you see the newsletter, this is just like big for us, (laughs) someone who knows in advance what we're going to do, and we find out in advance what we're going to do. This is a great thing. So they're working hard on creating the environment of safety and of relational relationship making and they're working hard to create a rhythm that the kids can count on lunch is every fourth sunday after church they go out together service projects are always the second saturdays and they're working hard on doing things on a consistent base and having these friendship building events happen between between those two on the second saturday they're doing one or the other of those and when i asked them what they needed They said, yeah, this is what we need. We're right now going for solid in our teen ministry as opposed to going for big. And as a result, we want our parents to understand that we're in this rebuilding time in our teen ministry. And one of the things that's critical to a rebuilding time is consistency. Consistency with our events, consistency with our Sundays, and consistency with our times together. And they're working really hard to make those things consistent experiences for the kids. But kids, being kids, aren't very consistent. (laughs) And they don't do much remembering, and they certainly don't do much (laughs) RSVPing. 
So, in a community building time where being together is important, kids just don't remember, and so they asked, if you're a parent, could you help? Could you help our kids remember? And uh, uh, also, kids are shy. You remember when you had to go into the junior high lunchroom and you wondered if anybody was going to sit with you at that time. So if you would give them some prompting and some encouraging to come to lunch, to go to the events, because when they get there, it'll be a really safe place. When they get there, they will have a good time. But it is, there's a certain reluctance that comes with that. Chris and Julie and Dominique, they love being with our kids. They have kids of their own, and so they know scheduling is tough. But if it's just an issue of remembering or managing time, could you please help them? Help them remember and help them manage time. They have a Facebook group, so you could encourage the kids to post there if they can't come or RSVP there. I see Michael having conflicts all the time because his school's got this, uh, he's got to do a big play at school. And if he can't come to an event, it would never occur to him to go to the Facebook group and say, hey, I can't be at the event. So I'm encouraging, hey, let people know because we're trying to build this time of consistency. So they are working hard, and it would be great if you could help them as they're building camaraderie and cohesion with the group. So that's what's happening with our nursery, that's what's happening with our elementary, and that's what's happening with our teens. So right now, George, would you come up and talk about community building? Morning. I'm a two, I'm an extrovert, I'm trying to be mature. Uh, I find that as an extrovert, when I'm mature, I... You're already off your notes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I have my timer. I would like to point that he was like three minutes over. Did I say that out loud? I have my timer, so remind me. We are trying to build authentic spiritual community. I think many of us have had the experience that people who led religion told us who to be. And it wasn't the same in our inner experience. We couldn't be that. So church became a place where we put on what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous calls a stage character. And you would walk into church and you would present a stage character to the people there because you thought that's what would get you accepted. And then we found that there was this disconnect in our heads. It's the way brains work. I've been preoccupied with brain science for the last four years and my wife's really glad that I could find somebody else to talk about that with. But... But we really do have a disassociation in our own minds where we walk into a space and the space is the space of God and and when we find ourselves pretending in the space where God's supposed to be. And being an authentic spiritual community is actually a huge challenge because our culture tells us to be something before we find acceptance. And what we're proposing is that God accepts us in order for us to be what God has created us to be. Robin catches me many times being a two in in my anxiety and my need to please and she... She talks to me and she makes me mad, pisses me off for like 30 seconds, and then I go, she's being her, and I needed to see what I didn't see. One thing we're going to be doing if we're going to be authentic spiritual community is learning how relationships work, not how we wish they would work, not how our stage character would like to demand everybody read their lines and do their things so that our stage character can be justified and continue to exist. But we've decided as a church to journey into ourselves, to face off with the false self that's not us, to take a good look at the true self and then to learn the true self of others. And so we'll be going through the Enneagram, Enneagram, and you'll learn what type you are. It's not, a, it's not that you, when you find your type, you know all the answers. It's so when you find your type, you know who's searching for the answer. And you know what, pay, what you need to pay attention to and the tendencies of your type. 
Um, and you're not just one type and all that, but listen to Robin. She knows how to make the best of that. Um, we're also learning conflict resolution. And what we'd like to understand as a group is that conflict resolution is normal. In fact, what we've been unable to do is act normal. Normal people who are individuals and who see things differently and who are different types actually have conflict. If you're not in conflict with somebody, if you don't see things differently, then, then you've decided to pretend and you're doing a dance between stage characters and it just feels false. You feel distant from people. But if we can work through conflict resolution, especially in the beautiful way that Doug leads us to work through it, we can actually become a community that's authentic and can actually face off with and work through the differences. Uh, we also will be learning family systems. I'll be teaching that in the, later in the year. And that's a description of just the dynamics of relationships. And if you understand the dynamics of relationships, you can catch yourself doing the things that, that, that distract us and become caustic and toxic. And you just catch yourself doing it. Um, I love catching myself doing that and the people in my life who catch me doing that. There's just a way that relationships work. It's descriptive. You'll have to do the relationships in the system the way you do it. So learning family systems is not so that we all turn out alike. It's actually a word that we would learn in that is called differentiation, where you are exactly who you are and you're part of a system that works well when you are you and I'm me when we are ourselves. Um, and then we're going to be learning um, also how to facilitate groups and conversations. In other words, what would it be like if we got together and when we sat down, the, the goal of that conversation was that it get us towards where we're being ourselves and working together. One man has, I've heard many people say it, but I'm thinking of one particular guy who said, I get to know God better under a tree than I do anywhere else. Well, I can just say my biggest experiences of God have been in nature. I go, I hunt for a week and I don't care if I really kill a deer. I just want to sit for eight hours a day in a tree. People don't have to understand that, but I just want you to know it's, it's, my, it's my best week inside that I get all week, that I get all year. But anyway, what I, want you to, what I believe is that if you sit quietly under a tree and listen, God will say, go get back with some people, organize, and heal this world. This world needs to be healed. It will not be healed with everybody sitting by themselves under a tree. It will be healed when we together, who are healing, work together to help the world heal. So we will learn how relationships work. Second, we'll create a public and social space. That means hospitality. So we're going to be working together, um, to, together in the midst of this to, to form hospitality, where we just are open, where people can come and, and be themselves. Um, and uh, it's... it's it's a growing reality that, that we have so that you can be known. You can begin to be known. We'll be get together and enjoy common interests. We'll enjoy common activities. We'll in, create common experiences. It'll be personal. It'll grow us towards personal space. Personal space is where you're really known. We do life story groups where three or four people tell their life story. We're going to continue to do those in a cycle. We're going to do discovery dialogues where people sit and answer questions about their own experience of God and the spiritual life. And they talk, and we get to know each other. And we're also going to form home groups, community groups, and various uh, realities so that we can just be together and become known. So you can know me, and I can know you. We can know one another. And then the goal is ultimately to have intimate space. We have a model called breathing groups. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe up. But it's to find intimate space. Intimate space is described uh, by a guy who wrote a book, The Search to Belong. Uh, he calls intimate space naked and unashamed. Our culture is so sexual that I think that kind of gets people distracted, naked and unashamed. Except that there is a picture in our scriptures of a place where people were naked with God and with one another and there was no shame. And so I'd like to move us past the distraction of the sexual, which we already had this morning, and, uh, <laughs> 
And just say that I, I, my goal is to help us want to be together, to rearrange our lives so that we are together, so that we can be together, we can heal together, we can serve together, and we can worship together. And I'll be back to talk about worshiping together um, in a few minutes. Shackleton, and I'm Hello, here. Hello, Scott. Hey, just in case you didn't know that. Um, and I'm here to talk about NeighborServe and where we're going this year with that. You've heard a little bit in announcements. You heard a little bit last week, but just kind of give you an overview of that. So we have uh, a few goals in NeighborServe. And uh, the first one is to develop two or three community-wide events where we all work together to accomplish something good. Uh, we've been doing food bank. We're getting ready to do WIN. Um, and that's Wake Interfaith Hospitality Network. We'll be hosting a, a group of four <coughs> or five uh, temporarily homeless families here at the church for a week at the end of April. And then we'll do something else. And we don't know what that's going to be yet. Possibly something with some international helping involved. Um, the next goal is to uh, develop an atmosphere within our community of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we talked some about that last week, but that would be encouraging small groups within the community, maybe some of the groups that function the way George talked about, so there's, there's some overlap, this isn't two different things, um, to support one another in loving neighbors in some way, however you define that. And another one is at an individual level to have uh, an atmosphere where we can help each other find the intersection that we talked about last week, intersection of seeing a need, looking at what we have, and the inner voice of God leading us um, and, and supporting one another that way. Someone came up to me last Sunday after my talk and, and was concerned because she said, I, I work in a profession that's a giving profession, and I, I love my neighbor all day long, every day, and I'm exhausted by that. And I totally get that. And I'm so glad that person said that because it led me to be able to say today that part of what we want to be able to do in this community is say that serving and loving our neighbors isn't a task that we go and do. It's not something that we say, okay, mark your calendars for 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. We have a project to do. We want this to be a lifestyle. And so for some of us that have a job where we don't get to do that a whole lot or we don't feel that we're doing that a whole lot, we will have the opportunity to come alongside others of us in our community that maybe have a job where they are loving all day long and they're exhausted. And we want to be able to create ways for them to say, hey, I need some support. I just need somebody to encourage me maybe. Maybe I need some help, tangible help doing something. So that's part of NeighborServe as well. That's why in the first goal, we only have two or three project-oriented things a year because we don't want to jam our calendars so full that we can't support one another in what we're already doing. The third goal is to develop partnerships with other ministries that are already doing things that need some additional help. And that help might be people, 
from here wanting to go. It might be um, just money, and probably it'll be a combination of the two. So we've put that into our budget uh, as well. Uh, the timeline for these things, um, the timeline for these things is first, uh, when we'll be hosting families from April sorry. 20. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this timeline. Oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry. Just look different. Okay. Uh, we'll be hosting families April 28th to May 5th, and that's a pilot program. Normally, to sign up with Win, you have to agree to host three to four times a year. Um, I happened to have an in with Win and got us to where I could volunteer us, um, and I did that without checking with anybody back in December, so I'm glad y'all are enthusiastic about this, because otherwise I'd have been left out there to dry. So, um, but we have the opportunity to do this one time and kind of see how it works for us. Um, early indicators are that it's going to work very well from as, as um, all the positive comments I've gotten from everybody. Uh, the food, food bank will be continuing on our timeline that we have a history with because that has worked well. Um, and we'll, we'll want to try and bring more resources to that. And each year that's grown, we want to see that continue to grow this year. And then the, whatever else we do, we're going to talk about after win's done. So that just gives you an idea of um, the timeline for those things. For partnerships with other ministries, um, we have that budgeted. I'll talk about that in just a second. And so as our budget gets funded, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, uh, we'll pick that up. So our budget for uh, the NeighborServe thing that we've added this year um, we have, I've talked in community chats, generosity chats before about putting benevolence into our budget. And so we've looked at what our needs have trended around and we put a $500 monthly amount in our budget to set aside for benevolence needs within our community that come up. And so we should not unless there's something really extraordinary that comes up, we should not have to come to you anytime there's a specific need and, and cause an embarrassing situation for someone else. This is a part of our priority, financial priority as a community, and we'll be able to take care of that very quickly. Uh, also, uh, then we added $500 a month beginning in July in the budget for ministries that are part of our community, that are already uh, doing things that we believe in, that we'll be able to help support. And we may do some one-time things, we may make some commitments, uh, but we've, we've put that in the budget for July. And so the, the specifics of how that's going to work, I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but that's the, the new additions to what we're doing in terms of neighbor serve. <laughs> And I am really grateful that everybody has given me such positive feedback and seems really enthusiastic about this. And I look forward to, to seeing that develop. So George is going to come talk about worship arts now. Um, one thing I forgot last time, I uh, was at the top of my notes and I forgot it, is I love working with our core team and the council. It's just amazing. Um, I've been with leadership groups a lot as I've been leading in church since college. And um, we have a core team that's, that's 
able to talk directly to one another and help each other see blind spots and, uh, and we're people um, who I think are, are genuinely trying to lead a church that's a, an authentic spiritual community and that means we have to be one ourselves when we meet and that's, it's a pleasure uh, to be part of that. Uh, worship arts and building an authentic spiritual community it, it also involves worship and so there are Sundays. So one of the things we're going to be doing, both in building community and in worship, is to make the most out of Sundays. So more and more we're going to fill this, this place with opportunities to be together in different ways. Uh, but when we get together on Sunday, one of the things we've been talking about, and the we is uh, Doug, uh, Lauren LeMay, where's Lauren? There's Lauren. And uh, Nicole Cella, which was singing this morning, and, and myself. We've, we've, we're beginning to look at how do we worship how do we worship and be true to how we're seeing God and what we see happening? And so here are the, here's two words that we're working with. One is presence. To be able to come and worship as you are. So if we're, if we're upbeat and you're, it's, raining, it's raining inside of you, then just don't feel like we're trying to tell you how to feel. If we're, if we're talking about an idea and you're not there yet or you, that's not where you are, just understand we want you to be where you are. And so uh, come and, and bring your presence. But you have to actually choose to be present. Um, my wife, Tammy, has uh, interrupted me a bunch of times over 35 years and said, George, I'm here. Um, we'd be in a conversation, and she'd be able to tell I wasn't really present. And, um, and so we have to choose to be present. And the other is um, desire. Um, and i just like to say, a long, uh, it's been a while back that a guy introduced me to a thinker called, named Soren Kierkegaard. And he did this thing called this one, The One Thing, and he had, wrote a whole whole book on willing one thing and if you desire the one thing as he helped me understand then it becomes the one thing that helps you work, work out into ever, all the other, the other things and so one thing worship's about is desiring to know God not just in the, in the singularity of the inside, inside of our lives but the one thing the one thing the, the ground of being is the way some people are talking about it now but the, remember Doug's sermon on dirt that was, anyway the, to, to be together, to desire to really be together with God, authentically together with God. And so uh, we'll, be, we'll be using musicians and singers, readers, actors. We'll be involved in more visual arts, poets and writers and crafters. And so the idea is that you're going to see more and more things showing up visually and more and more people taking part. The Artist Guild that Lauren has begun to work uh, putting together is, is, is helping everybody who's Willing to be creative. I didn't say everybody who's creative because everybody is. If you're willing to be creative and share it, to get together and then just discover what's being um, made by our, by our fellowship, our family, and to bring it into worship as we can. But that's not the whole goal. It's just to be creative. And one of the things that's happening, and it's happened tomorrow night, is um, a meeting 6 to 9, is that right? And, and they're finishing working on the stuff to help the children do their Easter celebration. So you can come be a part of that or bring a craft or something you want to work on and just be with other people uh, creating. So here's the acrostic we're working with on Sundays. It's experiential, participatory, informative, and communal. Uh, by experiential, we want to be able to trust the full experience of the, the human personality. So um, sometimes we'll, we have contemplative Sunday, which, which gives us space to just be quiet together, and sometimes we, we dance and so the experience, we want it to be varied so that people can trust the whole rainbow of who God's made us to be. And then participatory, we want more and more people to get involved. Uh, today, Ed was his debut Sunday playing harmonica and sax. Were you all glad to see Ed? And, uh, so 
people are coming online. I'm, I'm staying uh, with somebody after worship, and we're going to play music and find out what he does. And the idea is to bring more and more people in uh, uh, to participate. It's informative. The lessons are always helping us understand the content of who we are and how to live it authentically in relationship to God and one another. And we're grateful for Doug's and doing that. But we also want to have in, uh, an informative part of being together in worship and the songs harmonizing. And so we've got a plan to have, have a text and an idea that, that flows through the whole time we're together. And we're trying to get better at that. And then uh, communal. So that we can actually feel they're being together. On Easter, we're going to actually all help plant things that will bloom on our property together on Easter. Won't that be cool? It's, we're, so that'll be part of Easter is planting. And then we get to watch it bloom. Uh, so we want to be able to experience this um, together. Man, I love it when I've got the time. Okay, so I actually have time. This, I, I, well, you like you want to use it? <laughs> It's official. It's right here. I have two minutes, um, and so I wanted to end, I wanted to end with with this this little uh, thought. Jesus met a woman that was a foreigner at a well. They both came for water to drink. The woman met with Jesus at a well. She worshipped God in a different place, and she had a different idea of God. And she thought when she met a Jewish man that he would be tunis with her that he would be a Jew and she would be a Samaritan and they would somehow have a conversation or at least be nice enough to end up filling up some water jugs and heading home. But Jesus made it clear to her that there was coming a day and we're living in it when God will not dwell on this mountain or that mountain or be contained within this idea of God or that idea of God. That God would actually be worshipped by all who worship him in spirit and truth. And when we worship God in spirit, when we bring who we are and the capacity we have with the brains we have, to relate to God, to the world, to ourselves, to others. And we bring that sincerely, and we offer that up. Something magical happens, and it transcends all the religious containers that we sometimes try to be at home in. But those religious containers end up being products of ego and not the full openness to all that God is. And he said we will worship in spirit and in truth. And when we are communal and when we share ideas and when Doug lets us talk back and when I say something and you disagree and we come back at it, and we work it out. I think it is us being led into truth. When Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, he did not say you, individual Americans, ego-bound individuals separate from one another, will find the truth. It's y'all. Southerners have it right. When y'all discover truth together, y'all will be set free. And in fact, the Greek word is not set free like a bird coming out of a cage. It's y'all will be untangled. The word is set free by being untangled. And so I find that it's true for me. That when I'm with other people who love me and let me authentically search for God in my life and how to find my way in life, and they're doing the same thing, I get untangled. And I, as I get untangled, I'm set free. And so it's my dream that one, one day and every day and more and more when we get together, more and more of us will become untangled and we'll be whatever that looks like. Dancing, free, flying. That's got to be two minutes. And I'm done. Amen. So, four things. Four things that we're working on this year. And actually, as we transitioned from being a small church to being a mid-sized church, four things we're working on. We're working on our 
consistency and longevity and quality for caring for our children. We're working on caring for our community outside of ourselves through NeighborServe. We're caring for uh, the worshiping community, the, the worship process of the community, and we're talking about community making in general for all of NRCC. Now, what we didn't mention that is sh- almost deserves its own mention is that underlying all these things and supporting them are new administrative systems that we've never had before. And then Robin is putting that together. And what you heard this morning of an invitation to come and help is that there's just oftentimes uh, administrative processing required for all of these things to happen. So before we go on to part two... Why should you move? We, we often use the term in our community, moving from being a renter to being an owner, uh, moving from being a, an observer to being a contributor. Why should you do that? And I think two reasons I'll tell you. The first reason is that contributors grow. That is just a truth that you can't not see. Contributors grow. We are communal beings, we are spiritual beings, and being part of a healthy community is an essential part of the healthy spiritual life. So I grow personally because I live in context with you all, and I watch those who are integrated into the community grow. It is just a truism that connected, contributing people grow. We grow as we are experiencing the camaraderie of belonging. We grow because sometimes in the midst of community we experience pain and conflict and we have to resolve that conflict and we grow in the process. So all the things that go on with belonging are connected to contributing because belonging, belongers grow and contributors belong. That's just the way that it works. And so... We live in a culture where there are so many forces militating against belonging and against contributing. We have this very individualistic society. We are just weaned on independence. We have a lost set of skills about relationship making. Conflict causes us to run for the hills because we don't know how to get to the other side of it. And so consequently, we just stay in safe places, in safe environments, rather than moving into authenticity. We also live in a consumerist-driven society, which means that we are busy, 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 because somebody is out there selling us a whole lot of good options. And we choose good, and we choose good, and we choose good, and we choose good, and pretty soon the accumulation of all that good is bad, because the essential things that we need for our souls of community, spirituality, Belonging and contributing get squeezed out because we're exhausted. And so good stuff, good stuff, good stuff becomes bad stuff. And so it is just a fact that contributors belong and belongers grow. And so there is reason to say yes to something. But you should know that every yes that you say is a no to something else. So it means you'll have to say no to something in order to say yes to these belonging options, to these contributing options. So the reason, number one, to contribute, to belong, to get involved, is because we grow. The second reason is, I think what we're doing here at NRCC is really important. Um, At this moment in history... The Christian religion has become toxic. That's not news to anyone. And when religion is healthy, 
it becomes the house in which spirituality dwells. When religion is going well, spirituality lives inside of it. But when spirituality becomes, when religion becomes toxic, spirituality has to move out. At other times in our history, our religion, our Christian religion, has been very, very healthy. And consequently, our spirituality has prospered inside of it. But that is not the case of late. The house for spirituality, the Christian house for spirituality, has become very ill. Rats have overtaken the house. Radon is polluting the house. It's a sick house. And so, consequently, spirituality has moved out. But here at NRCC, we're in the process of renovating the house. We're in the process of making right what has gone wrong. And I think that's important. And I want to be involved in something important, and I hope you want to be involved in something important. But this is not something that can happen by a core team or by a minister or by a teacher. It's not something that the council can organize into being. It's not something... I have an important role, the organizers have an important role, but rebuilding a religion, that's something that only a community can do. Religion is made up of three factors. It has to do with what we believe, how we belong, and how we behave. Believe, belong, behave. Now, I've read widely, searching for streams in which there is life and vitality. And I can stand up here and tell you the stuff that I'm reading. I can tell you the stuff that I'm experiencing. I can tell you the stuff that I am living. But as much as I can teach that to us, I can't make you believe, and I can't make you behave, and I can't make you belong. And the church council can get together and have all kinds of organizing priorities and we have all kinds of things, but there's nothing that anyone could do to make us together do those three things. So, if we are going to begin to change our religion, to renovate the house, it is something that we all must do together. If we're going to renovate the way we believe, the way that we belong, and the way that we behave, we're going to have to build a house in which spirituality can thrive and flourish. And that has to do with very practical things, like loving special needs kids, and giving money each month, and calling a friend who's, who's sick. By the way, Tricia is also hurting. She's, uh, she's not doing very well at all, so give her a call. It means organizing a craft group so people can build enough of a friendship to be able to move more deeply into communal conversation. It means moving from crafts into asking after one another's souls. It means getting close enough to someone to actually have the conflict so that you need to come this summer to learn how to do conflict resolution so you can get to the other side. It means making dinner for a homeless family. And it means what I said earlier. It means saying no to something so that you have the time and bandwidth to say yes to something that has the legs to take our lives to their destinies. And in that, and in doing those very practical things, we change how we believe, and we change how we behave, and we change how we belong, and we rebuild the broken, toxic house that our religion has become. And I think that's really important. Uh, This is about contributing, and you notice you have on your seat are these slips where you can actually... um, Sign up today. When we walk into this place, we can often walk into this place with our stage characters in full bloom. Um, and the, I, what I'd like you to know is we, we welcome all stage characters here. 
We will laugh with you and cry with you while you present whatever version of yourself you want. And the idea is that if, if you understand that we, we're okay with that, then we'll actually be okay when you tell us what else is going on inside of you. We'd like to know you better. So what, one thing you can do is give presents. If you're just here, and in fact, I've led worship uh, here many times, and there have been a few people who have just sat quietly and cried in the midst of it. And, and I just I loved being able to watch all of the dynamics that were, that were going on around that person and people caring for them while they were having their own space. We just want you to be present. It is a gift to be present. Next is participation. And in these cards, you'll notice some ways to participate. Like in worship arts, I'd like to be in the loop on the Artist Guild. And Lauren will follow up with that, and you'll know when they're getting together and what's happening with there. Another is I have a talent, an ability I'd like to offer to North Raleigh. So uh, whatever it is, we just discovered Ed has some. And uh, it, it doesn't have to be musical. It can be anything. Um, um, and uh, you can become part of that. Look at Sundays as I'd like to help with refreshments. Where's Kathy? Kathy, stand up. I know you, you hate it because you're an introvert. This is... Kathy's coordinating uh, what happens in the lobby. Like, so if you like, if you like your coffee and, and everything out there, she's coordinating that for us. And if you want to help um, you set up or clean up or cook goodies. If anybody just likes to cook and you want to make a bunch of something that tastes good and bring in here, that would be cool uh, to do. Um, and then community building. And I made a note on the young adult request um, because I think... Um, Sometimes things happen uh, organically that may be healthier than anything we try to do. Um, community building gatherings. One is you host a small gathering. If you just are willing to host a small gathering, like a life story group or a discovery dialogue or uh, some other gatherings, if you just like to host one, let, let me know. Um, you prepare food and snacks for a gathering. Uh, just like if, if a group was going to stay after and talk about what a young adult ministry might look like. Are we supposed to be like. checking these off right now? Yeah, you can uh, circle them. Uh-huh. I, um, and uh, obviously, if you're going to want to be known, write your name down on it. You want to turn it in, but it's also a way for you to know how you can call, you can contact me about it. And then you can learn how to facilitate uh, relationship building. You'd like to learn that because toward the end of the year, we're going to form groups that just want to start talking about how to do that, how to lead that. Um, and I'd like to set up, clean up from special events. It's like if we have a we have a big meal now. We don't have Linda anymore, so now Kathy's coming on board. And who would help set up everything that needs to be set up for everybody to eat, and then clean up afterwards? If you'd like to help with that process, let us know. Um, and then you'd like to gather with others too, whatever. Uh, James Bond marathon, whatever. I mean, it could be whatever. Uh, that, that's not really the best idea, but anyway. Uh, um, and um, um, the thought I wrote it down. There is no way to understand right now the potential that's right here in this room. But I think the potential that's right here in this room is to be a, be a real important part of the transition our world's going through. Because we've got to stop isolating ourselves and being violent to one another. We've got to start opening ourselves up to one another and heal this world. And uh, Jesus has us pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I no longer think heaven's somewhere out there somewhere later. I think it includes everything that's out there and is somewhere later. But it actually dwells right now. And that eternal life is now and forever. And that we can be part of fulfilling the prayer that we were taught to pray. And actually create that. And it happens when we give our real selves uh, to an open, honest search for who we are and what, what God, the whole reality, would like us to be up to the intention built within 
uh, who we are. So I invite you to do that and talk to me. Scott? Okay, so uh, my job now is to follow up. George was talking about some ways that you can contribute towards to the community, and I have some other ways. Um, he was talking about... Wait, wait, wait. The third was lead... Um, I have, I have two ways, and I'm going to talk about both of those. One is give money, and the other is give time. And um, in the give money section, people are at different stages of being in the community. So you may be here. This could possibly be, I don't know if there's anybody here or not today that just walked in for the very first time. Yes, we have a few people. That's okay. True. <laughs> so... Um, it's great because you get to, this is a perfect Sunday. If I were out trying to check out a church, this is what, this is the roadmap for the future. So this is exactly what I'd want to know. Um, but if I go to look for a house, they don't charge me to go in and just look. So if, if you're here and you're just checking things out and that, that process may take a while, money is not required to do that. And shouldn't be at all. So just relax. Don't, I'm not asking you for money. So you're, you can be exempted from this part. Um, then sometimes people rent a house. And maybe they're not sure they're going to commit to it long term. But many people in our culture buy a house. And when you buy a house, it costs money. And it costs a lot of money. And if you want to own the house, you have to pay the money. And um, I said something like that a few weeks ago and or a few months ago. And some people got upset with me. Well, sorry. <laughs> That's the way it is. Um, I, I try to say things gently. Um, and th- but there's a reason for that. Doug, Doug mentioned it, and I'd like to reiterate it maybe with some different words. And it's not, uh, we started out this morning saying nothing's wrong and nothing bad has happened. Um, financially, this church is in better shape than it's been in a long, long time. And I'm thrilled about that. So I'm not saying that to be an owner, you have to pay because the church needs the money. Now, we have a budget that I'd like to see funded because it's going to do some of the things that we've gotten a lot of input from that that money will allow us to do those things. But that's not really the reason that you need to give. You need to give for the reasons that Doug mentioned. Um, You need to make generosity part of your life. Uh, my life has been greatly enhanced because I decided to opt out of a consumerist, materialist way of life. And I am offering you the opportunity to opt out as well. And it is an opt-out system, it seems. Our society, the default is that most people are just swept along in the flow of buy more stuff, get a bigger house, get a nicer car, take better vacations, and that will make your life easier or better. We get lots of those messages every day. I'm giving you a message that says you have the opportunity to opt out of that and realize that there is a better way to live, and, and that is generosity. This giving to this community is one way to do that. There, there are others, um, but that's one way. I suggest that you make that giving a um, value in your life and you set goals to, to consciously be aware of the lifestyle that you want to set for yourself. 
and not just be swept along. The way I did that was I took a look at what the average um, per capita income was for Wake County and said that is the level at which, that's the lifestyle at which I'm going to live. I have the financial resources to live beyond that, way beyond that, quite honestly. I'm not saying that to brag. I've, I've done really well financially in my life. And I think part of the reason that I've done well is because I'm not chasing it. I, I, money hasn't been the option, the, the thing that I'm going after. So I would encourage you to set a lifestyle. You pick what lifestyle that's going to be. And then as your income goes up, as things happen that allow you to be beyond that, give. I would suggest that you start a, a good spiritual principle is 10% of your income. That's a good initial goal, to, to give away 10% of your income. Um, it's not, I don't want that to be seen as a rule or a law because I don't think it was ever intended that way. I think it's a, it's a good starting point. And um, for people I know that are particularly generous, that um, they see that 10% in a culture like ours probably isn't enough. Um, we're the wealthiest culture, a wealthiest um, country on earth. If you make, by the way, uh, $80,000 or above in your family, you are in the top 1% of income in the world, and about hmm, almost six billion people live at a standard that is far below yours. So 10% for us should be nothing. I personally have a goal over the next 10 years. I am increasing my giving uh, each year, and my goal is to get to 50% of what I earn. And I would encourage you to think outside the box that our culture tells you and, and do something different. Do something that's more generous, that's, that's going to help you grow better. Um, so for in, in our community, I've mentioned before, I just want to make sure since this is a business meeting that everybody knows it, we have, we have a budget. That budget calls for a 10% increase in your giving, um, our giving as a group, over the amount that we were giving in September, October, and November of last year. So if we increase that by 10% over this year, we will be able to fully fund our budget. So there's a couple ways you can do that. There's a ACH form that should be in the pocket of the seat behind you. That, that would be great. Um, if you want to do it automatically and effortlessly. Um, but I would suggest however you do it, you make it part of your budget. In order to help us as a church budget, there's another sheet here on your chair that's the smaller one. And I want to say a couple things about this. First of all, this is not a pledge card. It says it on there. Um, this is not us saying, we want you to make a pledge to this church. Not at all. Uh, what this is, is a way that we as a core team will be able to plan and say, we have certain uh, trigger points in our 
uh, budget when we take certain actions. This Filling out this card will help us know where we are in that process. Um, just for those of you, this is a very valid concern that somebody brought up. Um, if, you, if you don't want to put your name on here, that's fine. You don't need to. Um, we're not looking at this. We're not going to track what you actually give versus what you say you're going to do. What we're going to do with these is I am going to be the only one that sees them, and so I don't really care if your name is on there for that purpose or not. Uh, I'm going to total them up and then total them up and then be able to say to the core team, this is the amount that our community plans to give, and let's see where that works with the budget. Uh, so that's the purpose for that. If this offends you and you just don't want to do it, that's fine. Um, I'd be happier if you would do it without your name on it. <laughs> but if you, don't, if you don't want to do it at all, that's all right. This will be a really useful tool for us as we're growing from where we are to where, where we want to be. And so that's why we're doing it today. Okay, so that's the money stuff. And um, now you know that, I, I, some of you know I'm a CPA, now you know that I can be blunt. I just, that was me being blunt, okay? Um, I, I'll, I'll get a question in a second. I want to talk about time and do that quickly. Um, you have the other form that George uh, pointed out, so you can be circling some items on there if you want, and when we do the offering, that's where both of these forms can go and they'll get to the right place. Um, one thing that I would like to say is um, if you sign up, for something to, to volunteer time, something that George said or neighbor serve or working with the children or any of the things that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, there's no pressure to sign up. We only want you to sign up if it's something you really want to do. But if you sign up, you need to do it. It throws a huge um, wrench in monkey wrench in the works if you sign up and we're depending on you and it doesn't happen. Uh, so if you sign up, I, I know in probably a few weeks, we're going to be signing up for cutting grass, right, Mike? Okay. So if you sign up to cut the grass and you don't do it, then what happens is Mike Carter drives by and says, oh, the grass is still high, and Mike has to change his plans for a Saturday and come and cut the grass. And honestly, that's not fair to Mike, who already gives a lot of time here. Um, if you if you say you're going to be you're going to work back with the children, um, it's your responsibility to either make that happen or if you get sick or something falls apart, follow the process in that ministry to be sure that happens. So you can give your time it, and do it responsibly. There are a few areas of need that we have that um, aren't specifically on the community building thing. One is administrative. Um, Robin stood up before, and we had that in the announcement, so I won't talk about that anymore. Neighbor serve. Um, you'll be hearing an announcement every week now through April 28th about ways that you can help with WIN. Uh, Susan, can you stand up? Susan Davis is our volunteer, our WIN volunteer coordinator, who is coordinating all the other team leads for WIN and making that happen. So you can email Susan or me if 
you just can't possibly wait till it's time to sign up and you want to get involved. Um, children and youth, uh, Doug is working with coordinating all of that. There are opportunities to sign up there as well. Uh, worship Arts is on this form. And then there was one more that Doug thought of. We're trying to offload some things from Doug's schedule. Um, and um, that is, we, we called it, he wanted to call it the Weed Patrol. And I thought that sounded negative. So maybe lawn enrichment we talked about. Um, but uh, there's some stuff there that, that you can do. So pretty much anything at all. The, all of those are things, a lot of the administrative type of things, the children type of things. Um, they're things that by signing up to volunteer time, we don't have to hire someone. You know, we could just go out and hire the weed patrol and a big truck would pull out, pull up and spray stuff on the grass and it would be green and beautiful all the time. Um, but that would cost money. So if there's someone here who can do that, wonderful. So that's great. So um, if you would be filling out these, uh, these two forms, drop them in the offering plate. If you have questions, talk to the person that talked about that topic, unless you have a question right now, like Sarah does. <laughs>